Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey, everyone. I'm your other host, Caitlin, and welcome to the Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 3, The Streets of Mos Espa discussion. Yay. Okay, so this episode aired January 12th, 2022. It was directed by Robert Rodriguez, and it was written by Jon Favreau. So, Caitlin, what did you think about this episode? I, you know, I don't think any episode is going to top episode two. Like, yeah. the bar is so high for me <laughs> about with episode two. Um, and I think, that, but I did like this episode. I think it was fun. Um, we'll obviously be talking about it more in detail. I thought it had a lot of really fun moments in it, actually, and I enjoyed it. But yeah, nothing nothing can really compare it to episode two right now <laughs> in my book. I feel the same way. I didn't expect this episode to beat last week's, so it it I I didn't come into it with that sort of huge expectation, I guess, with it. And because of that, I felt this episode was very plot heavy. <laughs> like yeah. there was a lot that happened in this episode that felt like it was information that I needed to retain. And it answered <laughs> a couple of questions that we had in the first two episodes about what's the structure of Tatooine? What's the deal with all these different like political houses? What's the deal with the mayor? I mean, we don't have full answers to those questions, but we're getting closer. And I think even with the twins, you know, the huts and everything, there were some things that were just settled and dealt with in this episode in a way that was not obviously dealt with in episode two, which is totally fine. I mean, it's a progressive series. That's how it works. But um, to me, this episode was fine. I think it was probably, if we could rate all three of them, probably my least favorite of the three, I guess. I don't know. I kind of, yeah. one and two are pretty similar to me. Um, I mean, not one and two. One and, one and three are pretty similar to me. Um, and obviously that's because Robert Rodriguez directed both of them. I think Boba and the Rancor, though, was just the yeah. best thing ever that in some ways it kind of ekes number three above number one for me. Yeah. <laughs> just because I thought it was so cute. But I will say that, like, I think a common critique we've seen of episodes uh, one and three so far is that they're both slow paced. Um, and we'll talk about like the car. I know a lot of people have been talking about the the chase scene uh, in this episode as like being too slow. Um, and I think both of us agree that it was too slow. But I think that that slow pace, and if you remember in episode one, there was a review I referenced that said the episode was restrained. I think like that slow pace kind of fit episode one in some ways better than it does episode three. Uh, like this kind of Boba is waking up to this new life in episode one, so it kind of makes sense that he's moving through it slowly. But then at the same time, I also think that this slower pace in some instances continues to make sense for a character like Boba, who I think we're seeing as very stoic in a lot of ways and thinks carefully about what he's doing next. And in a lot of ways, like unmoving with his morals and what he thinks is the right thing to do. I think that the Book of Boba Fett is taking its time in letting us know what Boba's motivations truly are. Like if it is just a power grab, um, we'll talk about the Tuscans, but if it is revenge, um, is it something else? I think I think we're kind of, we're nearly halfway through the season now, and I'm still not really sure why Boba wants to be in charge of Tatooine. And again, I think that 
there's still a good chunk of the season left. So we still have plenty of time to find that out. But I'm also like, oh, this is I don't know if I would call this like a mid-season finale because I, I kind of don't think the show is structuring itself like that. Yeah, me neither. Like a, you know, a big cliffhanger mid-season finale kind of thing that we would expect with some other shows. Um, and I think that we even kind of saw in The Mandalorian to a certain degree. I, I don't really think Boba Fett cares about that per se, but I am like I'm just itching to kind of hear Boba Fett talk more about himself, I think, is what I, I really want to see in the next couple of episodes. Um, the humor in this show continues to really surprise me and delight me, honestly. Like, again, Boba and the Rancor, just the best thing ever when he was like, ah, yes, make sure you get my finest. I forget what he feeds them, but he's like, get the very best of this carcass <laughs> to feed the Rancor. Like, it looks hungry. <laughs> he's just like so cute with it. And he's very caring of all the uh, Banthas that he rides to. Like, he always takes a minute mm-hmm. to like pet them and like... <laughs> Give them a couple pets before he gets on and off. And I really like that side of Boba and just kind of everything we're seeing him do with the people around him, whether it be like our biker gang, Chrysanthemum, the the Black Wookiee, and um, even like with the huts, it's like, no hard feelings. It was business. Bye. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that for me, I thought a lot about like, and maybe you can answer this question too, about okay we're three episodes in and what do we know about Boba Fett at this point and how do we as an audience see him so far in these three episodes and I have to like part of me is putting away a lot of my own preconceived notions of Boba Fett when I'm going into this sort of exercise of okay (laughs) so who is this Boba Fett in this show and I part of that is because I think the show sets him up as a man who is reborn and starting anew so I want to give him that sort of uh luxury too exactly so for me here's what I see in in this show for Boba Fett I I see someone who is haunted by his past constantly the dreams haunt him he's hurt by trauma and I I, clearly his father leaving him and feeling like smothered by that is a huge part of him I think that Caitlin and I didn't really talk enough about how the the metaphor of him going to the tree and then in the last episode and then being like fully engulfed by all of these branches and feeling so smothered by us I don't know what what I take out of that is feeling so smothered by a world that he was born into and so I see a man who is hurt by a lot of trauma um, and a man who's given a chance of rebirth and reinvention And I think that you talk about how Boba deals with a lot of different creatures and how he always takes a second to pet the creature, to respond to it and everything. And you see that in this episode with the Rancor, which I am with you. It was so great. I really liked that whole part. And I felt like we were going to get a Rancor at some point. It's funny because I think that in the last episode when there was no one, like nothing in the Rancor pit, it was like, ha ha. There's nothing in there. How long can they keep up this charade? And yeah, the answer is not long. Not but, long. <laughs> yeah. but I think it's something intriguing just to bring it back to the Bantha and the Rancor. It's intriguing to remember that he was born a clone. So he understands what it's like to be born into a world where you're bred for a, a single function versus mm-hmm. like 
free will is something we talk about a lot when we talk about the clones. I mean, the conversations of free will and clones, they go hand in hand. And I think Star Wars, especially in the past like 10, 15 years, has done a really good job of describing that and uh, talking through that and giving us many, many stories that deal with that. So I think that when we see him treat these creatures with such respect and everything like that, it's it really goes hand in hand with those themes that we see throughout Star Wars. But it makes me wonder, like, what's the future for this? I mean, I honestly think he's going to release the Rancor at some point. Like, I don't, I don't see this Rancor staying in the pit, especially because the first thing we learn about him is that it's a depressed calf. Like, it's so sad. So, yeah, um, that whole thing to me is really interesting. And I'm getting a clearer picture of who Boba Fett is to me. And it's it's working in my own psyche of like reinvention. And it's really cool, I, I guess. The Rancor imprinted on Boba, though, which I'm like, would the Rancor then be sad? Did it? Did it? I know. Did it That's the question. <laughs> do, we tr- do we trust Danny no, Trejo? I don't. I don't because I, I don't trust the huts. So I don't know. I don't want – Boba Fett to be sad about the Rancor if the Rancor doesn't love him. Like Boba clearly loves the Rancor. <laughs> but even still, if if Boba if the Rancor didn't imprint on Boba, I could see a future of like Boba setting the Rancor free regardless of that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. The only thing that makes me hesitate that maybe the Rancor actually did imprint on Boba is that at the end after he left, Danny Trejo was like, Don't worry, he'll be back. Like very sweetly, like in a like your daddy is coming home. Like, don't worry. Like a babysitter kind of vibe. But mm-hmm. it could be sinister. It could be sinister. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't trust anyone, as we've made it known with how I feel about the Gamorreans. So <laughs> I trust. The, I, did you see the Gamorreans in this episode? Yeah, yeah I did. You know, I they, did. They were there, and Boba immediately was like, "Take him to my Bacta tank." Like, they love him. Yeah, it's it's true. I, you know, I'm. I agree, but I also don't agree, you know? I, that's just how it has to be. I can't. It can't be that way. It's not yeah. fair. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about the elephant in the room and why this episode loses a lot of marks for me and for you. And it's because of in the flashback to the flashback situation, we find out the next piece of the story with the Tuscans and Boba Fett. And we find out that after... Boba goes into town to talk to the Pikes. He returns and all the Tuscans are dead. I was really disappointed by this decision. I know you were too. And I feel like a lot of a lot of people were. It feels like we're playing into a trope. It feels like we're playing into a lazy writing decision where it feels like a lot more could have come out of this. And after that amazing, brilliant episode that we had with chapter two, I was really surprised over the immediacy in which this happened. I think that the, I don't think it was as, maybe I'm just, uh, I don't know. I'm really sensitive to the fact that I feel like characters need time to mourn. I've seen a lot of people say that there wasn't a lot of time to mourn. And I don't know if I fully agree with that just because I think that there's, Boba spends a lot of time being very careful about how to like burn the bodies and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I think like overall in the episode, I don't think there was enough time to mourn. And I think that's that's what I agree with there because we have been so built up in the past episode. Like we spent like a good 40 minutes almost with just them. So yeah, really is disappointing. Yeah. I think that it was so hard to come off that like 
beautiful episode last week, um, just really celebrating the Tuscans and everything that we were they they were. And like, of course, we had this analogy to like indigenous land and ownership of it, with which that's what Bobo was advocating for, and like helping them communicate with people like the Pikes in order for the Pikes to pay them, um, and then to have it like very viciously taken away in the very next episode. It just it was really disappointing. And I think that like you, I think there are a lot of other ways that the story could have gone in order to separate Boba and the Tuscans. Even if it was a situation where because of the biker gang, I th- I think it was revenge from the biker gang for what Boba did, you know, the previous episode in the bar, the outpost cantina of killing those members of the biker gang. I don't know their name, like what their gang is called. So I think it was motivated by revenge that they came when Boba was in town talking to the Pikes. But I think that even if there had been this battle between them that we maybe could have seen and some of the community was lost and then the Tuscans end up blaming Boba for it and there's like this you know, this misunderstanding, this tragedy that happens to all of them and that causes their separation. I still think we could have like if Boba's motivated here by uh, like revenge or like atoning for what happened with the Tuscans, I still think he would have still had a, the same motivation in a situation like that without having to sacrifice the entire community. Um, or there could have been some bigger misunderstanding or falling out or Boba could have made a mistake in how he communicated with the Pikes and, you know, something happened there. I don't know. I just think there were different options we could have done instead of losing this like beautiful thing that we had in the last episode and I think it's really disappointing I personally I think there was enough time to mourn honestly especially given that the time we would have seen Boba mourning would be in the flashback sequence and yeah I think that I thought that Tam's performance all you know my disappointment aside and like what actually happened i think that tem's performance was really moving honestly and seeing him like sitting in front of the pyre with like tears in his eyes it made me cry like i was really moved by his performance and i really felt like what i was talking about earlier i felt that like stoicness from him like him you know jumping off the bantha and like running to see what had happened but kind of i think he kind of already knew what had happened i just i thought tem did a really great job in that scene all things considered But I hope that you and I have talked about this. I hope that maybe some of them have survived, actually, like maybe the woman Tuscan warrior that has been kind of was heavily featured in the last episode. I don't think we saw her on the pyre or in the um, the town, the village. I kind of hold out some hope for that. But yeah, I just yeah, I'm disappointed in that turn of events. Yeah. And like you said, it definitely takes this episode down a couple marks, I think, for most people, honestly. So yeah, that 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 I think kind of is the big disappointment of the episode. But uh, yeah, I hope there is an opportunity for maybe someone to come back from that community by the end of the season. I don't think that like fixes the problem of what happened, no, uh, but it is something that I hope we can still get from the season. Yeah, I think that okay. So if we sort of pivot to the thought that okay, now anything that he does in his rulership at like in present day um on Tatooine if anything he does for the you know the other Tuscans who live in the desert um mm-hmm. is definitely because like in their their name right but i still it's hard because 
I think that our our questions from chapter two still remain over like, okay, yeah. so is, is this everything he's doing for re- revenge? Because I'm not really seeing that in present day. Same. I don't I don't really like what's the disc there's a disconnect here and I think that's kind of also part of the struggle with this flashback then returning to present day that I've seen like a lot of the emotion and just I think these two timelines in this specific episode just were really unbalanced and I also felt like that in chapter one as well but I didn't feel like that in chapter two if that makes sense I I felt I just feel like there's a lot to balance here and I I, I felt like I was thrown a lot of information, a lot of things to think about in this episode that it was yeah. tough to keep track of. And sometimes I just really think that shows maybe like this one and like the Mandalorian, they might do better by having all of them come out at the same time or in chunks or two episodes at a time or something. Because mm. even watching this episode for a second time for to, pre- to prepare for this show, I was like, okay, so that makes a lot more sense now obviously when you watch something twice you're you're not as overwhelmed by it all this new information and everything and it it was a lot clearer to me and when you're watching a show for the first time that is a lot of exposition and I'm specifically talking about how basically in the beginning of this episode um what's his name 8d8 or d8 whatever I'm so bad with droid names I'm so sorry but the droid servant in the palace um, is basically giving like this exposition with a map in front of him about all the warring families. It was super interesting. It was great. I'm really happy that we got that information, but I was, I, I had to pause it. During <laughs> okay. So, and that's me as a really big Star Wars fan who knows what a Trandosian looks like, you know? So it's not just these, you know, absolutely foreign words. It was words that I know the definition of. So I just feel like there was a lot to process. And sometimes I think the writing or the editing or the directing, I don't, I don't know, doesn't, it's not, it didn't, it didn't really come to fruition in this episode to me like it did in the other one. But um, yeah, I just feel like there's a little imbalanced. Yeah, I agree. Because I know last week we had talked about if there would be this kind of bell curve with the flashback to present day ratio throughout these episodes. And it doesn't really look like there is. Uh, Even though we got like a pretty significant flashback this time, it wasn't – it didn't like – I don't like see a pattern really in like flashbacks aside from it's when Boba is sleeping pretty much when he's in the back to tank is when they're happening. But yeah, like you, I liked having the kind of political overview. Um, I think that was really necessary, honestly. Maybe even should have come in the beginning, like in episode one, to kind of have this layout. Because I thought this uh, exposition was really good, like hearing one that like even though Bib Fortuna was in charge, no one respected him. And Bib Fortuna was just kind of really trying to keep himself alive, basically, and gave up some power to all these other people to basically keep his own fortune going I think whereas Jabba obviously was like feared by everyone and there are still ties to the huts and everything like that who are coming which by the way I love the twins so do I I. and the way that they just like appeared at the front door I'm like how far did you walk from a ship on your litter to get to the door to just be like very far. I mean, we saw right? 3PO and R2 make that long journey in Return of the Jedi. I'm right? sure it's the same 
journey that they made. What it's fun, what's really funny to me is that they planned the dramatic Rancor gift reveal so that it was happening below the ridge. I was thinking about the direction of that, and I think it was really smart for them to do that, like them as characters, but also like Robert Rodriguez, because it was it's really funny <laughs> the way that if you think about the process of them walking that long trail those poor people holding the litter of these two huts and then also the rancor behind them. But then they're like, okay, so we're going to knock on the door and (laughs) you take the rancor and go down below the ridge. And then when I give you the signal, signal. bring them up. up. It's going to be dramatic. It has to be, it's all about timing here. Okay. (laughs) When I give you the signal, I think that one of the things that I think is fun to remember about Robert Rodriguez is that um, in his Mandalorian episode, right? He tells the story of basically creating via his sons and his and like his family and action figures, like the whole layout of what was going to happen in his episode of The Mandalorian, like in his backyard by their pool or something, right? Yeah. And I think that when you look like if I were to take the map that uh, the droid servant showed us at the beginning of this episode and uh, like bird's eye view it myself, I can see all these action figures moving around through the city. Like, all right, we've got the hut action figures and they come up to the door. And like, it feels very childlike in a lot of ways. Of like, well, they're going to bring Boba like a present because um, it's, we'll talk about this later in my theory, but like, it's not, because it's not really them that are in charge here. And they're going to bring them, oh, ooh, what was that thing in Return of the Jedi? Oh yeah, a Rancor. Okay, yeah, they're going to bring him a Rancor. And then Boba and the Rancor are going to be like best friends. But then there's going to be this chase in the city and like oh let me grab like my my cool hot wheels cars <laughs> and like let's have them be a part of the chase too but it's like all the colorful hot wheels cars that you have and like motorcycles that are now inside Mossas but like chasing around the mayor's uh right hand man i don't know it felt very much like i can see all these pieces like moving around in the city in very much like an action figure playing with your friends kind of way and i think there's a certain charm to that and i feel that a lot in this episode honestly um and i appreciate that charm. I think it's fun. I think it's childlike. Um, and I enjoy that a lot. I think it's clear. Like I, it feels like I know that this episode is Robert's episode. Um, yeah. and I like that in a director, honestly, even, you know, if I want the chase scene with the hot wheels cars to be a little faster. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the thing that's so endearing about Robert yeah. Rodriguez is that he is the ultimate DIY director writer and producer um i highly recommend his book where he talks about creating his first movie and he was one of the early of like five five might even be too big of a number five people to be invited to uh skywalker ranch like in the early 2000s like we're talking like 2002 2001 um due to digital filmmaking and Mm because george lucas held a conference at the ranch about people who were you know completely switching over to digital filmmaking versus using actual film and he was part of it which is a really interesting coincidence because he has had ties with the company for a while even if he hadn't made a movie for lucasfilm which is something he usually doesn't do he's a really like scrappy guy and yeah i that, like like you said and i totally see that in this episode as well is something i admire about him i like that spirit and i it feels very it feels, in a in a sense, very George Lucas, which again, we you know, we admire. So I like that, <laughs> just a little <Yeah>. bit. <laughs> yeah, I think also I want to comment on 
the whole exposition thing, what we learned about the different levels, the Transosians, the Clatoonians, the you know the workers district, things like that. We learned a lot in this episode about the way that Moss Espa works and how all of this has been lining the pockets of Mayor Makshayis. And the whole mayor thing is still a big question mark in my head and one that I think will have a payoff. We're just not there yet, obviously. I'm sad we didn't see him this episode. I know, me too, because I – I don't know, kind of a joy to always see those those, those characters, whatever. I think the terminology, though, that is being used as quote-unquote families, you're building a family. Oh, so weird. It is weird, right? It reminds me of, if I'm going to like take it all the way back, it reminds me of these warring families of like the Capulets and the Montagues and like ownerships over these districts. It is is a tale like as old as time. Like it's so – Go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but in uh, Star Wars, we have the Mandalorian clans that are basically like families warring. Yeah, and that is also interesting because I guess they – maybe they wanted to use clans, but they're not going to because it's very similar to the Mandalorian terminology. Yeah. But the concept of you're building a family, you're making a family, family is a heavy word, right? And even – when you talk about a character like Boba Fett, whose family was ripped, his family, his father was ripped away from him as a child. And here he is building quote unquote, a family. And like, what does that mean? And even sort of just defining what that means is going to be hard for Boba because he hasn't never had to do that. Right. And I think that we can think about that. in like, obviously these two terms of like, you're building an empire with <laughs> as a crime lord as a crime lord but then you're also okay so what does that mean you're amassing this group of like biker gang who is so cool you have fennec you've saved fennec you've saved the Gamor the gamorians you've saved the rancor who else is joining in this and at the end of the episode when it ends with like we're going to be ready for war if war if they're prepping for war all of these people who are going to be on his side i think are going to have a story to tell about injustice and to me, that's the kind of family he's building, and that's what we're we're leading to. I just find the terminology that is being thrown around in these episodes really fascinating. And every time they say families, my my eyebrows kind of perk up, where I'm like, that is interesting. What a choice. Yeah, and like what the definition of like fair is too. Like I, mm-hmm. I almost kind of wonder if that's like what Boba – what is the quote, fate stepped in to rescue the wretched that I yeah, kind of think might be – by the way, we found out was from the Mandalorian and was not oh. said in the book of Boba Fett. Okay, but was said in the trailer and yes. the recap, or at yes. least the recap. I don't remember about the, about the trailer. Yeah. But if that's kind of the mantra that Boba is living by, but then also like this idea of fairness too, because particularly with the the teenagers and the watermonger, when he hears, you know, that he's been increasing the price of water, he tells him not to do that anymore and that now he's going to give the kids a job. And, you know, it's like, that's what's fair. That's what right. That's what's right. And if like the Gamorreans are loyal to him now, the fair thing would be to like let them live and like be a part of the group and like this, you know, the whole thing. So I think it's very interesting. Like I'm still just not sure. Yeah. Like the why, why Tatooine? And I think that's coming. Like I'm ready to hold out for that, you know, but it's a question I feel like I'm going to keep asking of why Tatooine. So yeah, but let's talk about the biker gang because 
I think they're super cool. I did have to laugh a little bit though when they're like, look around. We have no wages. We have no work. And I'm like, you you guys are dressed really nicely <laughs> for having no work or wages. Like I respect the fit a hundred percent. Like you're way more stylish than I will ever hope to be. But I mean, you maybe could have had like a little bit of water with, you know, your really cool tight. <laughs> I'm like really thankful that Star Wars has given us new characters from a dusty desert planet that don't that look like they so live colorful. on dusty desert. Yes. Right. They're like colorful steampunk. I love it. Right. I, I love it. Fun. First off, I am really excited about the two main actors. I think the character's name is Drash, Sophie Thatcher, and what's the, the girl? Yeah, yeah, the is girl. Is he Jordan Bulger? Yes. Yes. Okay. The yeah, one with the eye, right? The one with the eye. I, I don't know. I just – I love the concept of even – I lo- it's okay. I have to laugh because the way that that guy who is just so judgy and so representative of the old world to me, <laughs> that he says like the streets have turned to chaos and it's I literally just like – insulted on your behalf. Right. It's literally just like a bunch of kids who can't work who are stealing water, which is like a necessary uh, resource that they need and they cannot afford because they they charge a month's worth of pay for water. Oh, anyway, they're just like standing around drinking water and laughing. <laughs> chaos. <laughs> when she when she was like, look around. I was like, where? Are we yeah, she was like, like, look around. There's no, no work. One, I'm like, there's no, no one around. There. It's also, maybe it's also nighttime. Like everything's yeah. closed. <laughs> I was like, maybe that's the point. But it's it's yeah, funny. It kind of In funny. that moment, I was a little aware of the fact that we were on a set. The cheese, sometimes yeah. on the show where I'm like, this is a set. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that, honestly, because I still enjoy it. But it's it's funny. Yeah. And anyway, I really liked them. And I think that they're – I like the concept of them getting these like prosthetic limbs because they look cool. And yeah, me too. I also think that – so the girl character, Drash, like the fact that she has a real hand and then a robot – arm and then a like a real shoulder it's pretty cool it's pretty cool it's so cool, it's super I, cool. i'm really pumped about her i also let's talk about the speeder bike chase because i do have a complaint about that it felt really slow again the second time i watched it, it didn't feel that slow <laughs> this is <laughs> a weird thing about watching star wars the first time and the second time first time it's always so overwhelming and i'm very like very much in it and then the second time i'm a little bit more forgiving or I'm ready to dive in, I guess. But the speeder bike chase felt really slow. And I think a lot of that has to do with editing and maybe shooting, but really editing to me. There were some shots where I'm like, we need to cut this. We need to cut the end of this. Anyway. And I really like the bikes. I think they're really fun. And I think that they are a fun callback to American Graffiti. Um, I've seen some people talk about how the um, major domo speeder is actually another callback to um, American Graffiti. It's very similar to the like the main car, the white car with the red, um, like the red undertones on mm. American Graffiti, which is really cool. And all these like hot rod things. What is Star Wars if not a reference to Something speed else. racing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, moving vehicles, like it, it is so. It's the essence of George Lucas's interest honestly. So um, yeah, so I thought that was pretty cool. And even though I don't really know where it led, like we just ended up with 
the major domo being like bamboozled and some Meluron <laughs> fruit, which is cool. But <laughs> I would have still didn't really for it too if it wasn't for those meddling kids. Right. That's kind of how it <laughs> felt, which is like also kind of funny because I, I guess do you? I I have no question really of these kids' loyalty to Boba, even though I said that I don't trust anyone. But maybe that was another reason for the scene is to kind of show us that you can trust these guys because they're going to do exactly what he says the moment he comes out and says. Man, the way that you still don't wholeheartedly trust the Gamorreans when we've had them showing up and showing out for three episodes now and we've had the biker game. I'm just very mindful of what Fennec said. Okay? That's it. (laughs) We've got these random kids who are just like, yeah, all right, cool. They're the ones I don't trust. I actually trust them. I do trust them. Um, (laughs) I trust half I don't trust them. Actually, no, I but trust. I'm like, yeah, you're like, yeah, no, I trust the kids, but like they've only they're do you know what they're doing? They could be marinating Boba and Fennec. So true. Right now. Um I hope they're not. I hope not either. I kind of feel like maybe half of them will turn on Boba and Fennec or just like abandon them and then we'll see like who's really loyal, which I think would be uh Drash and then Jordan Boulder's character. Um Yeah. The the chase was slow. I did appreciate that it gave me time to actually look at the set and like enjoy the details of the set. And I liked that it kind of highlighted all the different like mechanical limbs that the crew had. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I did appreciate that side of it. But yeah, it was slow. And hopefully we have some faster chase scenes coming up in the future. And like can't forget the fact that when you say it was slow and we were able to appreciate the set i mean we saw a whole ralph mccory artwork now oh, in, in detail yeah in, in detail in so detail. <laughs> <laughs> being ripped in half which is just a tragedy it's tragic but Star Wars it's, it's, is tragedy. it's tragedy and you know what that includes ripping ralph mccory artwork i mean yeah i can't believe that's canon it's kind of great <laughs> i like it and yeah, it was it, it was funny. Some of the stuff in there was – now I'm talking through it. I'm like, eh, that was kind of fun. It was kind of cheesy and fun. <laughs> so, it was. It was. Yeah. And I, it, in a lot of ways, again, I think it's like that childlike like action figure, like street chase thing that feels very on brand for Robert Rodriguez. So Totally. Yeah. I do want to – okay, can we start talking about Attack of the Clones? Because I feel like once sure. we start talking about Attack of the Clones, it will kind of pull some of our other points together. Sure. I feel like you – texted me before that you had a big theory so let it rip caitlin let's okay, go thanks. yeah charlotte didn't yeah. respond at all when i texted her that so <laughs> i don't know what she thinks of it <laughs> i texted her i think i've cracked boba <laughs> cracked the whole show i get it i, I was get like, it. all right okay <laughs> we're gonna record in like 30 minutes why don't you just save it for then that's kind of the vibe you didn't say that you just didn't respond <laughs> yeah um I think that Boba Fett is just a version of Attack of the Clones. <laughs> like, we're watching Boba's version of Attack of the Clones. So I went through and I pulled, like, some of the major plot points from Attack of the Clones. And we've gotten, like, half of them in the book of Boba Fett. And I find that <laughs> so interesting. And, it like, is. the fact – because what started me down the trails, right, we've been talking about, like, Camino obviously, a lot. And, like, the Attack of the Clones of Camino and the Bad Batch and everything – And I was writing the notes and I was like, you know, another day, another episode where we're talking about water. And it's not even that we're talking about like the resource of water. Like we touched on it on this episode with the watermonger, of course, right? But like more than that, we're having dreams of Boba on Camino 
in the storm, you know, the whole thing with the water and the storms on Camino. But then I think every single episode, someone has been like, oh, hey, fun fact, the June Sea used to actually be an entire ocean. Uh, You know, like it feels like every single episode they've mentioned this. And the fact that we actually had water um, in Boba's walk when he had the lizard inside of him, like leading his journey, and we had like that water explode out of the sand, right? Was that real? Was that a dream? We've got a tree somewhere that is very real because Boba came back with the wooden uh, the wood branch, the staff. Um, so anyway, I was thinking about that. And then I started thinking more about Attack of the Clones and, right, people have been talking about Dex's diner. And, you know, that, of course, is very 50s inspired. And then we have, you know, the biker, our kids, our, our meddling kids and all of their bikes that are obviously very colorful, very 50s inspired. So I started going through the plot of Attack of the Clones and I was like, this is feels so similar, like eerily similar, right? Okay. So Attack of the Clones. One of the main plot points of Attack of the Clones is an assassination attempt on Padme, right? And who did it? And there's the investigation of who did it. How did we start the Book of Boba Fett? Assassination attempt on Boba Fett. And we are slowly discovering who, we're investigating who did the assassination attempt on Boba Fett. We have Obi-Wan investigates the assassination, winds up on Kamino. This is where he discovers the clones, Django, Boba. This is when we also have Dex's diner. Like, that's all part of that plot point. Um, We have a character like Fennec, who I think is more behind the scenes, kind of investigating the assassination, and they're following a trail, right? And Obi-Wan in Attack of the Clones follows this trail of who really killed Padme, right? It's like, you've got the worms, you've got the droid thing, you've got Zam Wessel, you've got Django, and then like it goes all the way to Dooku. I think that's what we're doing right now, right? It's like, was it the mayor? Was it the huts? Is it the pikes? No. Is it someone above the pikes? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I think that right now the pikes are to Juku as something like Crimson Dawn is to Palpatine, if I'm following this metaphor down the line more, right? Then we have Anakin and Padme are together, right, in Attack of the Clones. Anakin has dreams, ends up on Tatooine looking for his mother. We have the loss of a Tuscan community in Attack of the Clones, too. Boba is dreaming nearly every single every single episode so far. We have the loss of a Tuscan community in this episode. Obi-Wan on Geonosis discovers where everything is leading to, more or less, with Dooku, the Clone Wars, the droid army. Um, Dooku tries to get Obi-Wan to join him. We have the battle on Geonosis with all the creatures. We've now got a Rancor in the basement, <laughs> which would have been, we could have easily seen a Rancor on Geonosis. It would have fit right in. Um, and then at the end of that, of the attack of the clones, Anakin loses his arm, marries Padme, the clone wars begin. And we've had me- this episode in particular, as we've talked about, has included the mention of mechanical limbs. We've got mechanical life support with the back to tank. Even well, Fennec herself is yeah, yeah, yeah. modified. And I, I guess it's from Boba himself too, by the way, because exactly. we really were not point. there yet. Yeah. Not there that, yet. Yeah. That's a really good point. So, Will we see Boba at the end of the season have some modification himself where he doesn't need the back to tank anymore? And my whole, my like crack theory is that we will be back on Camino by the end of the season. That's like my real, <laughs> whoa, <laughs> crack theory. Well, or that water, like the Dune Sea will return that's what I think, to yeah. Tatooine. Yes, I th- I think you should push this a little bit further if you can and say, why are they doing this? And it's because we're experiencing a rebirth of Boba and where's the first 
occasion we ever saw Boba, and that was in Attack of the Clones. So if Boba's entire mission for like all of these instances is to correct what was a problem in the past, that past occurring in Attack of the Clones, right? Like is this the the death of his father, all of these things. I don't know. Are we going to see some sort of rebirth from the planet itself as well as the rebirth of Boba? I think you're I think you're onto something by the water. The mention of water in this specific episode was over the top. Right. Yeah. It's just so interesting to me because they they can't stop talking about water, especially in this episode. There's the the very fact that Boba himself brings up that he lives on a watery planet or he was born on a watery planet. He grew up yeah. there. I never expected him to say that. In the beginning of this episode, you were talking about how you just want Boba to talk more about himself. The moment he said that, I was like, oh, that's an acknowledgement of Camino in a way that we have only seen visually in his dreams. Yeah. And and then later even the the guy who I don't trust, right? The guy who owns the water shop, the watermonger, uh, starts talking about how water like Tatooine's Dune Sea used to be an actual sea and he goes, "It's actually really interesting." And then they cut him off. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "No, give me that planet history because it feels relevant in this weird way because we keep getting this like crazy imagery and if we can go back to that one vision, you're so right. I actually completely forgot about that like almost tidal wave explosion of water that happens in that vision when yeah. he is walking towards the tree, that journey that he goes on. Like and when when he emerges, that's when we see the water is when it's over. Yeah. And it's like when he is free and protected coming back to the Tuscan camp with a uh, a weapon that he has now earned. I, th- I think it's really interesting, Caitlin, that you drew this parallel, and it makes a lot of sense to me. And you're so right because there's so many things about the show that feel so familiar, and it's because it is really echoing Attack of the Clones in a, in a lot way. of ways. Like, yeah. you know, like the Anakin on Tatooine, that's pretty much the halfway point in Attack of the Clones. And that's where we are now in the show, more or less. I just – I think it's it's so fascinating, like – these different plot points that are very parallel and like even having something set up that would be akin to Geonosis with the Rancor being Boba's now, mechanical limbs being very prevalent in this show and that being, you know, a huge part of the beginning of Anakin stories, the dreams. I don't know. It's just, I'm kind of like, why haven't we talked about this before or like kind of noticed this plot, <laughs> like these plot points, like even pretty much like in order, more or less. <laughs> um, I just think it's it's really interesting. And yeah, I think that I almost think you're right that like bringing the Dune Sea back might be how this ends. Because if if we think that like a part of his motivation is not revenge, but atonement or like giving something back to the Tuscans, whether the Tuscans that are, you know, still out there or atoning, like paying respect to the, like his community that he lost of so, like returning the Dune Sea to its like original state. And if you put that resource in, like if you return the sea, if you return water in mass to Tatooine, that completely implodes all of the people who take advantage of the lack of water for the people that need it most, like the, you know, the watermonger, the mayor, even, um, why can't I think of the name of the cantina now? But like all those people that are politically empowered 
by having control and access to a resource like water. Once you make water abundant, they're no longer needed. And it also cuts off a route for the pikes to go through. Exactly. Exactly. That too. So I think like, I think that could be part of Boba's long game. And if you remember during the Bad Batch, we had that like crazy theory. It might have just been my weird theory that like maybe there wasn't as much water on Camino or like the storms were on Camino. Like the storms were controlled by the cloning facilities that were happening that like upset the climate or something on Camino that caused it to storm so much, right? Because the end of the Bad Batch, season one spoilers, end of the Bad Batch, it's destroyed, right? The cloning facilities and then the sun comes out. So like what if what if Boba like knows that and somehow brings the technology of Camino to the Dune Sea, makes it rain and it rain. fills in the Dune Sea. I don't know. I don't know, guys. That seems like really out there, but also not that out there. Well, okay. So we know that John Favreau is a big metaphor guy. So I feel like it is possible that something like that is going to happen. Yeah. I think it really goes with like a reawakening, a rebirth, restarting, and like a baptism of like renewal as well when it comes to water I'm so annoying when I whenever we talk about water (laughs) about bringing that up but I think that that is like that's how you heal this planet that has been but then it's like then you think about the sequel trilogy and like I don't know Caitlin I don't know I don't know okay when we have it at the end yeah right but what, we don't really see much. It's only exactly. the homestead. And, and I'm like, are, are there other mentions of Tatooine in the sequel trilogy that I legit just don't remember? That that's very – could be, right? Like someone tell me if I'm very much on the wrong track because, you know, this book and or this film said this about Tatooine. But, yeah, I don't think that we could say that that is ruled out because of what we saw in Tross because we did just see the Lars homestead in Tross. yeah. So I, I want to also go back to one of your points about the whole assassination attempt and figuring out the the political intricacies that are present in both Attack of the Clones and this show. And okay, so we, we've, we're we figuring out the assassination of Padme. We're figuring out the, out the assassination attempt of Boba Fett. And it's not leading us to any answers in the same way that yeah. it doesn't lead us to any answers. With Obi-Wan, he keeps hitting like walls everywhere he goes things are literally been deleted from the map and things like that yeah and to that point i want to bring in the pikes again i think it is absolutely fascinating that we're getting more pike content (laughs) in live action star wars i i mean it's just the the syndicate the group that never ends right we see them in the clone wars i i'm i'm beating a dead horse by talking about them again but they just keep coming up and if we follow the route of we're not like going to the top of this pyramid in the same way that Obi-Wan wasn't going to the top of this pyramid because the Jedi were like totally blinded by everything that was happening yeah. during the, you know, the beginnings of the Clone Wars and even before then with Sifo-Dyas and the creation of the clone army and things like that. So now we're in the Book of Boba Fett timeline and Boba, it's just like not working out. We're talking about all these families. <laughs> we're talking about the mayor. The mayor's leaving, but it doesn't really leave it. Like not the mayor's leaving. Yeah, the mayor's not there. Major Domo's leaving. <laughs> and we again don't really find out any answers because he doesn't have any answers and 
that whatever it's like there's so many different pieces and then also the pikes want control and then they're preparing for war and then the huts are also there and the huts like want to encourage infighting so that's what they're gonna do they're gonna be messy and like mess things up (laughs) and am i really supposed to believe that the pikes are all at the top of this the pikes are at the top of the huts it doesn't really makes sense in the same way that I don't know I just it doesn't really make sense knowing if we want to draw the complete parallel to attack attack of the clones like we draw we go all the way to the top there it's all Palpatine it's all Count Dooku it's this whole machination of like this long game of chess like with this show I really do feel like we're playing chess where different pieces are being moved and it's it feels like we're not getting answers but that's just kind of the nature of a show like this that plays those kind of political long games and with you know, the prequels, that's how it is too. I don't know. I don't know. I don't really think it's the Pikes, but I don't want to be disappointed by putting all my stock in it not being the Pikes because I personally do think the Pikes are interesting enough because of what they represent, this like evil scourge of people who employ slaves to create drugs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and like, yep. <laughs> there's, I mean, that's just like getting straight to the heart of it, right? Like there, it's, it's kind of, the bad guys of <laughs> the crime world like there's the crime world and then there's bounty hunters and things like that but then there's the pikes and everyone knows the pikes are bad news even dryden boss does too so yeah. we, we all know that and i think that i wouldn't be super disappointed if that was the end but it, something else leads me to believe that there's more and i think that more might be crimson dawn i don't know but it would be cool if it was you know, just saying. If, if it was Crimson Dawn, it would be just a little cooler than just the bikes. I just don't want to look like a fool by like putting all my stock in that because I'm not putting all my stock in it. I just think it would be cool if it went all the way to the top that way. This is your MO though. You're like, I don't want to completely trust or not trust the Gamorians or the kids or Crimson Dawn. <laughs> I just don't trust anyone. I don't trust myself, okay? <laughs> You need to be like Aladdin to Jasmine. Like, do you trust me? Take my hand. Come on this crazy is Crimson Dawn uh, speculation train with me. Get on the train. (laughs) I mean, the thing is, is that if I could just pull the curtain back a little bit, like, I don't know if Crimson Dawn even makes sense here. It could be someone bigger. It could be the First Order, right? Like, yeah, yeah, I was going to talk about that too. And that makes that makes perfect sense to me. And I'd actually be quite delighted by that sequel trilogy connection. <laughs> so I feel like any answer I get might be really interesting to me. Like even if it was part of Palpatine's own contingency plan to take over something, all of those are interesting like balls in the air that we've talked about before that I think are cool. So there's a lot of possibilities here, but I I think that that line would be cool as well. Yeah. Yeah. I I think I will hold that. I think the Pikes are Dooku in this metaphor. Yeah. And I think there are still some options as to who the Palpatine could be, whether or not it actually is Palpatine and his contingency plan. I think that is a possibility, actually. But I think that even if, like, we look at the episode, right, and we look at when uh, Boba goes to talk to the Pikes in – the flashback sequence and the pikes are very conciliatory the, the the pike in charge is very conciliatory to boba fett you know like oh you know we'll pay whoever we just don't want to pay twice and like that's not fair for us to pay twice like right um so like you you guys need to decide amongst yourselves like who we're supposed to pay and it's like all very nice right and like grating in a way too uh because the pikes want in fighting too the pikes want 
the Tuscans and the biker gang to fight each other. He wants they want both of them gone and then they don't have to pay anyone. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing with whoever the Palpatine is in this story. Like Palpat the Palpatine, the Crimson Dawn or Palpatine or the First Order, whoever, wants the Pikes and Boba Fett and the Huts and everyone else and the mayor, he wants them to all fight each other and then he doesn't have to pay anyone or like lose his own men. I think like if I could kind of make those parallels too, I kind of think we're seeing that play out. And I wonder, my next question would be, do the Pikes know that they are second in line, I guess, in this power hierarchy? Uh, you know, if, if, if in my speculation, I'm going to assume Crimson Dawn is at the end of all of this. Do the Are the Pikes kind of working with Crimson Dawn for this? Like maybe Crimson Dawn has promised Tatooine to the Pikes if they take care of all of this. And then when the Pikes can't handle it, get beat by Boba Fett, take heavy losses, whatever it is, then that's when Crimson Dawn comes in and is like, you know what? No, Pikes are out, Crimson Dawn in, no one makes it off alive kind of thing, you know? Like, if that could be our finale. But I do think you're right that, like, if this did connect to the sequel trilogy and, like, the First Order, I also think that would make a ton of sense, especially seeing, like, remnants of the Empire operating in The Mandalorian, too. I think all of those people are still at play. And so I think I think the, the remnants of the Empire could very easily step on to Tatooine and be like, you know what? No, no more crime syndicates. We're in charge here. But, of course... They're basically just another version of a crime syndicate who will be controlling water, especially if water does come back to Tatooine. That makes it a completely different game for resources on Tatooine, I think. I don't know if that makes it more valuable or less valuable. Like, I'm not really sure what's valuable on Tatooine as is mm-hmm. <laughs> right now because there are other planets with water. So I'm not really sure if it's just like an outpost where you can do shady things and no one's going to bring the law to you i feel like that's probably tatooine's value when it comes to like crime syndicates yeah like the very fact that member even the republic didn't reach all the way out there that's the reputation of tatooine is that you can get away with anything here yeah so i wonder if a resource like water does come back what what happens then Mm -hmm. um i don't know yeah i think there are a lot of like you said there are a lot of bowls in the air a lot of routes this can go but you know we've been following this We're talking about Camino a lot. We're talking about water a lot. The rebirth of Boba Fett. This, what I think is a pretty heavy-handed parallel to Attack of the Clones at this point. Like, kind of putting it all down on paper. I'm like, oh, okay, you know? So we're at the halfway point of Attack of the Clones, more or less. We've checked all those boxes. So what we have left is discovering who's at the end of the line. The battle on Geonosis and the, you know, the, the battle between like uh, Dooku, Anakin, and Obi-Wan, and Yoda. And then we have the epilogue of the marriage. But I think from that, it would be like the mechanical nature of it or the healing. I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting because I think that there's also the side of this where that comparison can stop here. Like Mm -hmm. they very well could just not do anything else with that based off of the fact that Star Wars is repetitive, right? They are self-referential when we say – when George like says things like – it's like poetry. It rhymes. It, that, this is yeah. what it means. It means it's self-referential to plot points that you're familiar with, but it's a new take on it. And it doesn't really have to settle anything either. It just is. It just is, right? Yeah. I think so often when we talk about like plot points being referential to other Star Wars movies, what you and I want is something 
to when that is done again, whether it's for nostalgia's sake or for sake of poetry and rhyming, it's then to change that and like push it forward in the narrative. But sometimes that doesn't always have to be the case. And maybe with Boba's situation, it's just something completely different. And like, that's totally fine. If they give us something new like that, I think that we're going to be fine with that too. It doesn't have to follow a checklist of every single thing that happened in Attack the Clones because Attack the Clones was just a darker middle chapter and things were left unsettled. So I I do hope that like things become settled. I don't know if the show will have a second season or if it's just, you know, a, a chapter of a book as part of the, you know, the Mandoverse. But regardless, I I think that this is super interesting. I'd like to see it even pushed pushed even further, but Again, I wouldn't be sad if it wasn't because I think it's super cool separately. Yeah, and I think too, thinking about like leaving things settled or not at the end of Boba Fett, you mentioned like how will this roll into the next season of The Mandalorian? Like how will it look exactly as far as like storylines or will there be a clean cut between the two? We don't really know that yet. So I think that's left up in the air. And I will say kind of, I think you're right. Like this doesn't have to be a beat for beat plot retelling of Attack of the Clones, right? Nor would I want it to be. And I think that bringing in the the crime syndicates is a very different ball game than like Palpatine and what he was doing. So I think that is a good uh, differentiation between the two. What I will say too, though, to kind of, I guess, think about where we'll end the season in like looking at it through the lens of Boba Fett and Attack of the Clones, the end of Attack of the Clones, Boba's story was losing his father, Right. And what, like, talking about family so much in this season. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. what will Boba gain at the end of this season? Hopefully it's not another loss, like he suffered an attack of the clones, but rather gaining of something else. Maybe it is gaining his family back. Maybe there are some Tuscans that are still alive. I think those would be the people I would consider his family. Like, even though, like, I want it to be Fennec, like, I don't know... Like they're more partners in a in a way, but still it's like the term family in this show in general is kind of nebulous to me right now. So I'm not really sure what I think it means in the book of Boba Fett. <laughs> I think everyone in the palace right now is family. Yeah. Even the by Gamorreans. definition of like even the Gamorreans. <laughs> just by definition of like when Fennec and Boba were sitting around at that table eating the food, which by the way. I feel really bad for that droid who just keeps bringing plates of food <laughs> and Boba's just not eating any of it. No. He's anxious. Um, yeah, he's so anxious. And Fennec's like, you got to eat. It's very much like eat Santa. Nobody likes a skinny Santa type vibes <laughs> from Rudolph the Redness right here. <laughs> but I think it's great how, how there's like an entire table filled with like this gorgeous looking food like i, I wish wanted to stay our there food for in while. star wars episode i wish we had had this episode <laughs> right i know because i want to sit at that table just like oh my god and like that pro the poor droid <laughs> it's just bringing all this food Truly. no one's eating it yeah <laughs> just slaving away in the kitchen right he's making all these like delicious looking salads i guess i don't know <laughs> it's a lot of leafy greens but where do they anyway, grow them do- Good question. Hydroponically. Yeah. I feel like during that conversation, though, is when Fennec was like, you're creating a family. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, oh, perked up, like I said before. And so I think that in that moment, we think about the people who surround Boba. And I think that, yes, we can think about the Tuscans as being 
the like the first in this specific story of people who you know since his rebirth treated him like family but I think right now it is the people in the palace yeah I I agree with that so yeah that's my attack of the clones theory thank you for coming thank you for listening theory really enjoyed it thank you (laughs) I think it was a good one and I just want for the record to say that when you texted me, I knew it was going to be good. I just wanted to react appropriately <laughs> on the mic. Because sometimes, okay, sometimes we talk about things like the show and I'm like, we should just wait until the, you know, until the episode yeah. and then things are yeah. fresh and like clearer and, you know, I'm, I'm snapping, but it's, it's true. And so I feel like I, I felt like this was going to be a mic drop moment for Caitlin. Sometimes she <laughs> has those. And I was like, I want, I want, I want that to, um. I want to ruminate on that on air. Thank you. Oh, you know, I appreciate your rumination. Yeah. You know, it's Charlotte's rumination. <laughs> As we say, we, we even talked about Padme in this episode. So yeah. Padme's rumination, Charlotte's rumination, one yeah. single tear down the face. Uh, Staring out the window. How will Boba bring water back to Tatooine? <laughs> how will he? How will Hands he on the it? window like crying. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like. Whether it's water or some other rebirth or regeneration, I just feel like that's the the end game for this series. It's it has to be. I want it to be. I want it to be the dude see. Like I really want yeah. it. I think. Oh, be- well, now you do. You were like, we're gonna go back to Camino, and then it's like, no, the June see. That's it. I mean, Camino would be cool too. I still think but- there's a possibility that we could go back to Camino because if if it is, is. like okay, you know, like if. Camino was so stormy because of the cloning facilities on Camino. Like that technology is still there. And if like that's how Boba fills in the sea <laughs> in Tatooine, like he's got to get it, you know. Oh my gosh. He's going on the on his starship to uh just get gallons and gallons of water. It's a gallons of water. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like going back and forth like a milkmaid, <laughs> like a well-maid, you know what I mean? <laughs> Getting water, bringing it back. <laughs> <laughs> I hate this. <laughs> why did I bring that up? Milkmaid. <laughs> He's got to get up that? before either son get in the starship. <laughs> Fake his way there. <laughs> get back. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I really like that. But I also think, like, if if we're thinking about Bubba like healing, and if he has some kind of modification too by the end. Like, maybe the technology that he needs is actually still on Camino, like, underwater, you know, if because, like, in the Bad Batch, we saw all of that, all of those labs and stuff, and Omega knew all about it, and, like, where they were created, specifically the Bad Batch and her, and it was, like, a specialty lab, you know? I don't know. I just think, I think that could be really cool, and, like, Fennec still hasn't, like, we haven't won again I need more Fennec in this show. If I will continue this critique, I need more Fennec in this show. But I still think it's really interesting that there hasn't been this name drop of like Omega or like talking more about her time with the Bad Batch or pursuing the Bad Batch in that show. And yeah, if Fennec was the one to be like, we'll take him to Camino, like I know what's there because of something else that has happened in season two of Bad Batch that hasn't happened yet, you know? I don't know. I think that could be really cool. So I still think there's a possibility for Camino. Like that would be my pie in the sky wish is that they have to go to Camino to help heal Boba Fett because that's the only technology that will work for him as a clone. And then they also bring technology back to help return water to Tatooine. I also think now that I'm thinking about it too, that the water could still just be inside the planet and they just like yeah. let it out, especially with the tree vision. 
Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's anyway. like the big like spurt of water. Yeah. Mm. Much to think about, much to ruminate on. Can't wait for next week. Like so excited, always. Yeah, I'm very much excited for next week. Wednesdays have become – I have to be honest. Like I feel like the weeks now, I'm like on Monday, I'm like, oh, we're only two more days till Book of Boba Fett. That's really exciting. I like the Wednesday date. I think it's good. Um, I, I think that Fridays when they had Disney Plus things coming out on Fridays were fine too because then you have the whole week and then you just get to settle into like a Disney Plus episode at the end of the week. But I like Wednesdays because it makes Monday a little bit softer. Yeah, I think the Wednesday is just also, you know, it's a nice hump day treat, hump day treat. Totally. All right. Is there anything else that you want to talk about in this episode? I don't think so. I think we've covered a lot. I'm looking forward to where we go next week. Yeah, hopefully with a new director. I'm very much enjoying these new directors coming into different Star Wars projects. Just getting new visions is exactly what I and you and we we all need so i'm really excited hopefully the next episode's a good one we have good conversation and we'll be right back here to talk about it i'm really excited about that yes and if you want to talk to us more about the book of boba fett before next week you can find us online on twitter at SkytalkersPod is our handle or our personal handles mine is at caitlin plusher and charlotte's is at clarity we also have our website skytalkers.com our instagram facebook and tiktok are all other places you can find us always talking about Star Wars. And if you haven't left us a review yet on iTunes or Spotify, if you had a couple seconds and would go and rate us five stars on either of those platforms, we would really appreciate it as it helps other people find our show. And if you're interested in other ways to support us, you can head on over to our Patreon and check out our reward tiers there and also find out how to get involved in our Patreon-only Discord. And I want to say a huge thank you to these patrons, Stephanie, Julia, John, Kate, Tadashi, Kyle, Catherine, Linda, Ethan, Jeff, Stefan, Mercedes, and Kevin. Thank you so much for supporting us. Your support means the world. Yes. Thank you guys so much. And until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you. <laughs>